All right, what's up, guys? This is Antonio with the Live Loud Life podcast. Um, today, uh, what we're going to be talking about is one thing that we work with a lot from a rehab standpoint um, when people are recovering over injuries and or more importantly, trying to quote unquote prevent or avoid injuries through their best intentions, they are doing what um, has been preached by, you know, really everyone in every profession, to be honest. Um, but what they're what they're what they're doing is light weight and high reps with, and this is very, very important and specific just in the context of the nature of what we're talking about today, with the intention of avoiding injuries and or trying to recover from an injury, but they get stuck in that mindset of like, I was hurt before, I was doing lightweight and high reps and I got better and so I'm going to stick with that. Now, Context, context, context. For some, this might be okay and this might be right. But what we're talking about, what we're going to talk about today is how that might actually be disadvantageous for you. Now, we've had this conversation. I've had this conversation personally with um, my parents and uh, a lot more of those around the baby boomer generation because that is a very common mindset and mentality. And I still think there's a lot of benefit to that because it allows them to potentially get more movement in, Um, you know, depending on the movement, it might not be putting them into precarious positions. I do what would be considered relatively lighter weight for higher repetitions meaning if I'm doing goblet squats, obviously I can do goblet squats or double cutabell front squats with a heavier weight where I would only be doing five repetitions or maybe in between five and 10. But there's other times where I'm throwing it in a circuit and I'm doing goblet squats at a weight that I can obviously press and I would be doing upwards of, you know, maybe 15 to 20 reps per set through this cycle. So, you know, there's 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 context that needs to be considered when having these conversations. But that's why we want to indicate it is because I don't want you guys getting stuck stuck in the mindset or process of that I only need to or only can do lightweight and high repetitions in order to prevent injuries or reduce chances of injuries or recover from an injury. Because what that sometimes will do, what that sometimes will do is when you're when you're lacking an appropriate stimulus, you're not going to load the tendons, the joints, or the structures that you're trying to strengthen enough to create adequate adaptation. Or for our older population that is trying to maintain or stave off um, muscle atrophy, we might need to increase that load to continue to to improve that muscle adaptation for uh, reducing sarcopenia, so on and so forth, right? And other than that, what you're also dealing with is because of the nature of the weight being lighter, we tend to get a little bit more complacent. And I say we as a general population because that is true for even us younger, what we see in boot camp, because when you're doing a boot camp or uh, a WOD or a HIT training class, 
in order for you to move fast over a longer period of time, the weight has to be relatively lighter for you. And that is where we tend to find most people get themselves in trouble. Yes, from time to time, people will get injured doing one rep maxes or heavy lifts, but to be honest, not as much as many might think. We assume that it is the heavy weight it is the heavy weight that hurts us. But again, in, in theory and concept, it's the weight that you're not prepared for. It's the load you're unprepared for, right? So while the load might be too heavy for you from a maximal standpoint and you have, and you're, and you're unable to prepare for it, you don't have the necessary movement requirements, range of motion, so on and so forth. Yes, of course. Of course, that would put you in a precarious position where you might get injured. But outside of that, what we also have to understand and assume is that from time to time, what we also see is that it's that light weight that gets away from us because we're moving so fast. And that is what ends up putting us in precarious positions because you're able to move it around differently. You're not feeling the effects as much if that weight gets slightly away from you when doing your hit class on and so forth. So, you know, we're trying to obviously highlight and talk about a few different contexts or um, uh, scenarios that might apply for you. But ultimately, the lightweight high repetition has a time and place. And I think a lot of us are not doing enough of the, the heavier stimulus, which would force not only the physiological adaptations that we might be searching for, but more importantly, what I wanted to talk about today is it forces, it forces and puts yourself into the context of which you have to be more mindful of the repetitions that you're doing, right? And with that being said, we could consider, right, with that definition or discussion point that we just brought up is when we're focusing on the repetition at hands, trying to not make perfect reps, but just trying to really clean up and focus on the repetitions that we're doing, you might find that the quote unquote light weights that you were working with feel a lot heavier, Right. Oftentimes these lighter weights were just thrown around because of the light nature and our repetitions are getting again compliant or a little sloppy. And we're we're forgetting that we're we're forgetting what we're actually trying to achieve and accomplish in doing so. Right. So uh, what comes to mind, let's just say a row, right, like a three point row or a bent over row. So I have my feet on the ground. I have a hand on a box. I have a hand on a leg or I'm not supporting with my opposite hand, but I'm, I'm bent over in a hinge position and I'm doing a row with a kettlebell or dumbbell, so on and so forth. I could take a weight. Right. And I can let the weight kind of like draw down and bounce up and pull up and just kind of like hammer through those reps, which I'm not saying that's wrong. Not saying that's wrong. Uh, many people do it. You're just getting a lot, you're getting a lot of reps in and you know, it might be fine. But what if, what if we slowed everything down, right? We take that same row, and I'm not saying you have to do a tempo, but in this case, we're just using tempo to solidify the talk, the, the talking point that we're trying to do, or that we're trying to bring up, is if I'm if I actually lower the weight down slowly, 
I have more control. And through that control, I'm under um, the time under tension actually increases. The time under tension is a lot more directed towards the muscle groups or areas that I'm actually working on. So in the case of a row, this is obviously a back exercise. But with that being said, if I'm doing a row where I'm only using one hand, there's an anti-rotation component into that. And if I'm moving sloppily, then I'm not if I'm if, if the movement is actually more sloppy and more compliant, uh, sorry, less compliant, then what happens is that anti-rotation component, you're not even getting the benefits of that because you're just your body's moving with the weight. Rather than you opposing that torque rotation, you're actually able to utilize the abdominal wall, the obliques, the multifidi, the whole back structure. We're not going to get into the core talk. We have other podcasts about that. We're just throwing out some of the names for some of you. But you're able to now work on another another component that is that is an advantage to the movement that you're doing that you might think of only being a back exercise right so the lightweight can be used to your advantage but we're t- we're we're trying to again just come at it from a different lens to increase the stimulus response that you're looking for by making the light actually seem a little bit heavier or harder if that makes sense okay so um, jumping back to the, you know, the quote unquote baby boomers population, uh, my parents, so on and so forth. What, what, what we, what we try to portray is lightweight high reps is not bad, but what a lot of them are not seeking is that, that, that stimulus that makes them grunt a little bit or put a little bit more effort in with that, you have to focus and you have to really dial in on what your technique, your form and your movement patterns look like. And the benefit of that is we are now able to work or work on the areas that we're trying to seek improvement on, load the tendons, the tissues, the joints that we're trying to load. And we can also then get a better idea of what range of motion deficits we might have that are actually making it more challenging you to do these movements. Okay. So we we're, we're trying to come at it from a lot of different areas. If you, if you come at every single movement pattern with this kind of lens or mentality, then you're going to see a lot more opportunities unveil themselves that you never thought possible and, or would even be related to this. Now, what about, again, jumping back and forth here a little bit, the, the, our boot camps our HIIT classes, our CrossFit classes, where we're maybe doing fast ballistic movements that require us to move fast and thus use a lighter weight. 100%, right? 100% you would have to use a lighter weight for those types of classes. But let's take the same the, the same movement and parallel what light and heavy might feel like. It's good to go heavy and it's good to go light. When you go light, you are actually able to move quicker. And in moving quicker, you can see how certain power explosion or joints might not be moving adequately in order for you to perform good reps. With that too, you're also going to see range of motion deficits. Perhaps you're not able to move as fast and or catch in a clean or a squat or whatever that might be because of certain range of motion deficits, right? So it wouldn't be appropriate for you to lift heavier because we don't have that set up. So there is, there is good, there's good reason you should be going lighter and doing more repetitions in that specific context, right? 
What we see oftentimes with those that are in those classes is you just do not have enough repetitions underneath your belt where you should be going heavier, where you should be attempting and approaching doing one rep max max repetitions. When we talked about that one rep max or heavy loads of prior, we're more so referring to the context of squatting, maybe bench press and deadlifts, you know, those which the the requirements of you to move faster and be under control and be more dynamic is less appropriate, right? When you're talking about a, uh, you know, a squat clean, when you're doing an Olympic lift and or in CrossFit, you have to be able to pick up the bar in deadlift fashion, go through triple extension, throw that bar up onto your shoulders and drop down into a full front squat. There are a lot of moving components in that. And when you go heavy, you'll reach a threshold to where your body's like, oh, this is heavy. And you start altering the movement mechanics of which you, you need to do in order to complete the task. Again, we talk about this a lot. Humans are task oriented. When we or a coach or anyone asks you to do something, depending on the requirements of that and the load that you're moving or whatever the task is, again, it doesn't have to be around weightlifting. It could be climbing a tree for for all I know. You will do what you need to do in order to complete the task if the motivation is high enough for you to be able to do that. And for a lot of people, obviously the motivation is high. Yes, I want to get stronger. Yes, I want to be able to move this weight. Yes, I want to be able to do this Olympic lift so that I can feel stronger and I can feel like I'm a part of the group or I can feel like I'm, I'm uh, my body's capable and able, right? The motivation is there. You're going to do whatever you need to do in order to complete the task. That's when things get sloppy. That's when typically injuries, ouchies, whatever you want to call them, start happening because you are now altering the movement mechanics in order for you to complete the task. So you have to drop underneath that threshold. What is that threshold? Different for everybody, but the threshold the threshold that we're really monitoring and looking for is when did the movement mechanics start breaking down? So for instance, if you are a CrossFitter, Olympic lifter, or weightlifter listening to this, let's stay on, uh, let's stay on this example of a, uh, just a squat clean. We're not talking about the jerk. We're just talking about a squat clean. You are picking up the bar from the ground, bringing it up on top of your shoulders, and you're going to do a full front squat catch. Okay. All said and done, you have no joint pain, you have no issues, you have the necessary requirements where your front squat actually looks good, okay? And, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to narrow down the example here as best as possible, but what's going to happen is you're going to do the movement, you're going to reach a certain level, and now all of a sudden, in order for you to get underneath the bar because it's now heavier and you can't bring it up as high, you have to really start spreading your legs out wider in order to drop yourself down quicker underneath the bar. So if you're, let's just say again, for simplicity's sake, if your normal front squat stance is roughly hip shoulder width apart with your toes slightly flared out, and you can do a great front squat there, but now as the weight's getting heavier, your feet start to travel wider and wider from there in order for you to drop your torso down quicker underneath the bar, your squat mechanics have now drastically changed. That's gonna put a lot more um, stress and torque on the hip, 
than than previously had been trained for. That's going to change how much hip range of motion you have, which is then going to alter how much knee flexion you will have, which might change how far your knees go forward, which will then change the amount of dorsiflexion you have. That will change the amount of spinal load that you have because you have less hip range of motion and not being able to go as deep because you're in a wider stance for your anatomy and where you typically squat. The bar is going to travel in front of you, which might mean you have to hyperextend your lower back and upper back in order to stay underneath the bar or or potentially worse your lumbar spine is going to dump forward under that load and again this only is happening because the weight is heavier and thus we're seeing all of these things trickle down so this is a prime example in a case of when the lighter weight and doing more repetitions will be more advantageous for you yes there is an appropriate stimulus response by going higher i cannot argue that but that is under the understanding that is under the understanding that the reps are being done correctly in order for you to perform those higher reps, right? We're, if we're looking at total load accumulation, right? If you were to do a lighter rep, lighter weight, but more repetitions, your total load volume is going to be could be similar, similar, and if not more than what you're able to do with the higher weight that you're doing less reps for. But again, we're talking about a very specific example where the movement requirements start to change based on the the, the nature of the load and the and the just the dynamics and part of the movement. So now, other examples might just be like a simple lateral shoulder raise, right? Obviously, there's it's only there's only so much weight that you can do based on the long lever of the the long lever of the movement the amount of load and torque that puts on the shoulder. Yes, there's probably only so much weight that you can do. You could go heavier again, but that is a very difficult movement. And those are kind of considered a little bit more accessory where when we're doing our accessory movement, the lighter weight and the more repetitions can be advantageous because we're working on developing a lot more movement awareness maybe, or just uh, again, accumulate, being able to accumulate a, a good amount of load in a, in a challenging movement, range of motion, so on and so forth. For that, So thus we would need a lighter weight. But again, jumping back is by default, we don't want to just in general assume that lightweight and high rep is what we need to do. We saw an advantage in that specific scenario, but coming off of something that's maybe a little bit easier, and we'll just use a goblet squat or a regular front squat or back squat, if you have the movement, if you have the necessary range of motion and movement requirements, it is good to do some heavier load in order for you to to load the tissue tissues more right it's good to do more weight so that your body can know and understand how to ramp up tension and generate more force based on a higher load everything in life that we come across and do it's not going to be hey this is just this is nice and light and you're going to do a lot of repetitions what if you have to, you know, help push a car from a parking lot to a gas station and it's only, and you're by yourself, right? That's a heavy load and you're not doing a lot of repetitions. It's a short distance. You need to understand how to generate tension within your body because of the higher load that you're utilizing in order for you to understand and feel safe and, and capable in doing so. Okay. So again, 
we're trying to throw out some different scenarios and topics of when this might be appropriate for you. But the most important thing for you to understand is when to push yourself and go heavier. And more importantly, when you need to actually dial back of, of how heavy you're going and understanding that the load needs to um, alter wave and change and based on how much load you're doing, how much recovery you need. And this is where a coach comes in, in into play. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a self-explorer and you're doing a lot of this lifting and stuff on your own and you're running into a lot of aches and pains and issues and, you know, joint pain, whatever that might be, we're probably doing a combination of a couple of those where we're not recovering enough or we're not varying our loads, um, so on and so forth. So that would be a, a, a perfect time to find, you know, oftentimes a lot of coaches just do, um, kind of a movement analysis or a, a programming analysis to see where you're at with those types of things. It might be beneficial if you just jump on a program for a little bit. But we wanted to highlight that because what we try to encourage oftentimes from our setting, my setting, from a rehab setting where people are coming with aches and pains, we we try to get them under that heavier load a little bit more because oftentimes they're worried or afraid or their initial their initial assumption of light versus high rep was to prevent injury only failed them because they came across a situation or scenario where they had to move something a little heavier and, and their body just wasn't ready for it. So that's part of that preparation process. A lot of what we highlighted before was revolving around you know, when you're training some variations and some variables that need to be taken into consideration. But all in all, lightweight, high repetitions might not be the best thing for you. They might be creating your issue too because you're doing so much load and volume thinking that it is a lesser amount. We have to consider you multiply those out. If you're doing 10 pounds with X amount of repetitions, you've moved that much weight. Okay. And that is what over time could actually lead to overstrain or overuse injuries because it's so light. You assume that it's not an issue and you're doing more and you're doing more and you're doing more and that leads to the issues uh, as well. So have a conversation. If you don't have anyone to have a conversation with, find someone to have a conversation with. Um, if you're dealing with joint orthopedic pains and issues, then it's it it helps get it helps having someone uh, look at it or having a conversation with. There's a ton of programs out there. If you got shoulder pain, do these things. A lot of times, those work great, work well. We've had some in the past that we've shared and put out. Um, we're going to be generating more because oftentimes a lot of the aches and pains that people are dealing with are basic joint range of motion stability issues. But but the other thing to consider a lot of the reason why that a lot of those work is when you supplement these movements into what you're already doing, oftentimes you're down-regulating the load that you're that you're training with, and that's allowing the tissues to calm down, and then you're doing a lot of the good movement, so it's a good recipe for success. But, but, but reaching out to someone helps. Reaching out to someone helps, getting a movement evaluation, a coach to help you go through, and a programming kind of audit um, as well. But understand that your body is super strong. It is meant to lift heavy things and it is good to lift heavy things and it trains your body and challenges your body when you do lift heavy things and it forces you to understand how to move better and understand what your range of motion capabilities are, your stability or your weak links are. So what I 
want to encourage you is if, is if, is if you know you have good range of motion and movement mechanics, and if you have a slightest doubt, I would be good to get checked out again. I mean, I'm working with someone currently as we're talking about this in their 80s who has been doing kettlebells for well over 10 years now, has been taking, has taken a ton of certifications and courses and had personal trainers, and through the years has obviously developed a, a, a huge amount of strength and mobility. The guy moves really great, but over time, something has irritated his lower back and ha and and he works out on his own which is great and I work out on my own and a ton of people do but having that extra set of lenses we just went through a couple of the movements and he's like I never I've never heard that before I've never seen that before or for whatever reason the context clicked for him this time and we have a whole new outlook on the movement and changing the movement mechanics now able to complete the task without any back pain right so Advantages to going heavy, advantages to going light, uh, understanding when and where and how is most important. And if you know that, um, or you're willing to, you know, test it out on your body, great. If you need any help, we're here to help. Um, there's, you know, coaches on every corner nowadays. So there's not a lack of resources in order for you to get the questions answered that you're hoping to get answered. But Thanks again for tuning in, guys. Um, Live Loud Life podcast. If you found this advantageous, if you know someone that you work out with who is either struggling to push themselves to go heavier, share this episode with them. If you have that one person in their class who is always with the ego and trying to go heavier uh, and not get in anywhere and or hurting themselves, share this share this episode with them. That'd be good. Um, thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next time. Live Loud Life podcast and uh, keep living loud. And we hope that we can be of assistance and service through you through these episodes of sharing stories um, about health, about fitness, um, uh, about wellness, nutrition, whatever that might be. Uh, we hope that we can be of service and of assistance to you. Thanks again, guys. Check you later.